0: Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as Pastor Steve delivers this week's message. As you find your seats this morning, I want to just welcome you once again to Calvary. I'm glad that you have joined us. I'm very excited about where we are in our in our. Uh, teaching series. We are in the second week of a series called The Vow. And we're talking in this series, obviously, it it centers around the idea of marriage. And my goal, hopefully, we we are going to be talking to the two groups that would be represented in some form or fashion today. Those who are not married, and many of those hope to be married someday, um, and, and so I'm hoping that through this you're going to find some, some key thoughts of preparation, something to get you ready for that, some things you need to ask or you need to be considering as you're looking forward to that, or maybe you have no plans to be married again, but just even words that you can use to encourage others in their marriage. I hope we all find that if, if you're on that side, but then obviously we're speaking to a lot of people in this room who are married. And you're in the middle of this, uh, th- this journey of marriage, and I'm hoping you're going to find encouragement and strength and-, and even some tools to help you make this marriage even better. And uh, maybe th- some things that are you're struggling with, or maybe just some things that will help it to be stronger. That's the goal of this, so that for generations to come, you leave a legacy through this marriage. So that's, that's our goal. Today, as we talk about this, let me ask you this question. How many in this room have ever done anything crazy, if you would, in the name of love? Be honest, you've done something a little, a little, come on, some of you romantic people or some of you, all right, okay. All right, Let, let's just be honest, I'm, I, um, I'm a kind of reserved guy, but but boy, I'm, I'm a real romantic. Where's my wife? I'm looking for an amen and I'm not hearing one, okay. <laughs> okay, so probably not, all right, but I did do a few things, um, I, let me, I'll just share some, some of my thoughts. Um, when, I, when we were in college, the big thing was M&M's, when we were in college, if, if, you, if you gave someone a green M&M, that meant you loved them. That says, I love you. What are you laughing at? It's the truth, okay? It's very dear to my heart, all right? So we would go through the M&M's and pull out the green ones and go, and you didn't have to say anything. It's just, ooh, right? Give them a green m So one time, I gathered a bunch of M&M's, and you know what I did? I pulled out all the green ones and I put them in a bag, and I sealed the bag, and I gave them to her. It just kind of went just like this, just waiting, and she opens up. And she goes, wow, they're all green, and I just grin. I don't have to say anything. That's just like me, right? I don't have to say anything. Uh, I also remembered that one day we were just engaged, and we were apart for like four days. Boy, that's tough, right? Four, she was gone somewhere. And so when she got back, I gave her a 12-page letter. From those three days, just of all my, she actually said to me, "I didn't know you knew that many words." Okay, that that was honestly her response. Okay, so you get what I'm going at? How many have done something crazy, right? And the thought of maybe when you were you were dating, you drove like three or four hours just so you could spend 15 minutes with them, right? Or, or you you just you you done something? Maybe you 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 bought them tickets to a, a concert, or a, maybe you even went to a ballet. Now that would be a sacrifice, right? Or well, you did something out of love, or. Maybe Maybe that you guys will love this one. We used to do this late at night, it's 1230, and we would be on the phone. Now this is what you call a landline. It actually has a wire attached to it. I know you don't want to, okay, but but we'd be on the phone, and then it's 12.30 and and we're not talking, we're just breathing. It's not weird, okay? We're just <laughs> she knew it was me, I knew it was her. We're just breathing. And then it'd be like, okay, you say goodnight. No, you say goodnight. No, you say goodnight, you say goodbye. And, Honestly, we did that. So, come on. Some of you else did that. Don't leave me hanging here, okay? You know you did. Here's the point. You did something crazy. All right. Now, here's what we know if you've been married a while. Why is it sometimes in a few years? Wh- what happened to that? Where, where did <laughs> You're not supposed to say <laughs> Woo! Yeah. What happened to that? Okay. All right. Yeah, but but here's, the, here's the thing. Sometimes we ask after, where, where, did, that, where did that adventure go? Where did, where did that intimacy, where did that romance, what, what happened to it? Okay, I, I don't want to give simple answers to marriage problems because I know there are deep marriage problems. But I want to share with you with this, that I believe that many times the answer to that problem is that somewhere along the line, we stopped pursuing the one that we love. And we're going to talk about that word because today our vow is the vow of pursuit. And I want to encourage you as married couples to to really consider what this vow is going to mean because literally you said it at one point, but I think we forgot what was involved with this vow of pursuit. All right, so today we're going to go back to the beginning again. Uh, We're going back to the book of Genesis, real easy to find, first book in the Bible. We're going to look into the first couple of chapters. But I want you, in case you're not familiar, the book of Genesis starts with this very powerful, dramatic, profound statement. God says, Genesis 1-1, he said, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's how it all started, in the beginning. Okay, we get this, that's how it goes. And, and a lot of people, sadly, many people have kind of skipped over parts of Genesis, especially these first few pages, because there are some who would want to just dismiss this. These are kids' stories. This is fairy tale stuff. And skip over. Or maybe even if you sort of believe it, you kind of know, well, this is just the beginning stuff. We want to get to the real stuff, you know, where Jesus and, and, and the gospel. And that, and, but here's what I want you to understand. The, the beginning, the human beginnings, how it started has a dramatic impact on how we live today. And especially when it comes to this aspect of marriage. Now, how do I know that? Because Jesus himself, when questioned, when, when brought to the idea of marriage, he takes us back. I, I want to show you. Matthew chapter 19 Jesus is being questioned about marriage, specifically about divorce. And I want you to see how he answers these questions. He said this, haven't you read, Matthew 19, 4, that at the beginning, look at that, at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. And then the second time this next phrase or this next set of words is used in the Bible, Jesus said this, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Jesus took us back to the beginning to talk about marriage. Now, as, as the questioners continued to ask him, they persisted, and they were asking specifically about divorce. Look at his, how he responds to this. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. Now, he wasn't just talking about the fall, and the, it, he's talking about the fact that there was a design specifically for marriage, and it goes all the way back to the beginning, there was a God made marriage on purpose for a purpose. There is a now sin has messed it all up, sin has brought in issues, and, and between us as sinners and just the world, I get that. But God says that there is a design, and you want to get back to the, the truth aspect of marriage, you got to go back to how God started it, and that's what we're trying to do here today. So I take you back again to Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. Here's a verse i encourage you to memorize, and it's going to be our theme, and and I'm sure you've heard it before. But Genesis 2.24, the first time that God uses this phrase, we just read Jesus repeated it, but here's the first time. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now, what we're doing in these verses is we're identifying four specific ideas, principles for marriage and we're calling them vows because that really is the essence of what marriage is. And we're going to talk more about that next week, about the covenant of marriage. But the idea of, being, of these being vows, of what I, have, I promised to my spouse or what you promised to that one you're going to spend your life with. And we put these, these principles in the form of vows. And, and last Sunday, if you were here, this was our vow. It was the vow of priority. And the pr- vow of priority basically says this, God is my one, And my spouse is my two. Now, sometimes we we get both of those messed up. Some people just kind of try to skip over the relationship with God, and they find that that's because God is always to be, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then love others, love your neighbor. So in a marriage, my first and and just consistent uh, advice to any married couple is, especially as you're a follower of Christ, the biggest thing is put Christ not just in the center of your marriage, the center of your life. Put him number one. But then he made a very, remember from the verse, he said, and you're to leave father and mother. It's that idea of now relinquishing the old priorities, putting some new priorities in place. So God is always still number one, but now parents are not there, and, and anything, nothing else. Now it's to be God number one, our spouse number two. And throughout the rest of our lives, we're going to have to focus on that, because there's going to be a lot of things vying for that second position. there be a lot of things vying for number one, a lot of things vying for number two. It could be it could be family. It could be extended family, it could be kids, it could be work, it could be career. The idea is this, there is a priority. God, number one, my spouse, number two, and this is the promise. And I hope some of you said this to your spouse at some point this week. God will be my first priority, and my spouse, you, I hope you said this one at least once this week, you will be my second. God is going to be number one, and you are my number two. I hope that you were able to... to verbalize that in some way to your spouse. Okay, so that's the vow of priority. Now, we keep moving through that verse. And I take you back to the verse again, Genesis 2.24. That's why a man leaves his father and mother, there's priority, and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. We're going to look at that second phrase today, the one that says, and is united to his wife. Now, if depending on your version, it, the, the version I grew up with said this, they will cleave unto his wife. Now, the word cleave in English kind of has a funny connotation, in my opinion at least, right? Because when I think of a cleave, I think of a cleaver, right? Ah-cha-cha-cha, cha, cha, right? I think of something that cuts and divides. And that is a definition. Obviously, that's not what he's saying here because the very opposite of true. This, this word cleave or the word unite, in the, in the Hebrew it's the word debach. All right, the word debak, by, by this idea of cleave, unite, means, and let me give you some definition. It means to cling, to stick, to glue, if you would yourself to, to be joined together, to stay close, to stick with. Now, I want you to hear some of these last ones. To keep close, to follow closely, to catch by pursuit, there's something about this word unite, and I often see it as the idea, this is your commitment of marriage. We will, well, you know, from death till death do us part. So we're uniting. We're making this commitment. We're gluing ourselves together. Exactly. But there's something in this phrase that it, does, it makes it not just a one-time event of I'm uniting. I'm signing a piece of paper, but I am following closely. I am pursuing uh, Albert Barnes, a theologian, said this this word means to attach oneself to anything and then to pursue or follow after it. Attach yourself and then continue the pursuit, continue the following after. What a powerful phrase. Let me share with you some scriptures that tell us how this word is used in the Old Testament. If you were to go to Job chapter 41 and verse 17, here's this word again. It says this, they are joined fast. Same word, cleave or united. They are joined fast to one another. They, now look how it's described. They cling together and cannot be parted. So it is the commitment of marriage. That's what it means to cleave, to be united but now look at how it's used in Judges chapter 20, verse 45. They pursued hard. That's those two words, that's the same word as united, as cleave. They pursued hard after them. And then one last, it's from the verses we looked at today, Psalm 63. If you remember how uh, Michaela read this for us, it started off, Oh God, you are my God. I thirst for you. I, I long for you. Well, if you got down to verse number 8, look what it says. My soul follows close behind you or follows hard after you. Follows close, follows hard. That's the word cleave. That's the word unite. It's, it's, he's saying, God, I, my relationship, I thirst for you, and so my soul pursues you. My soul goes after you. Here's what God says to us in marriage. He says, yes, priority. God one, spouse two. Now, in that, you are to unite, you are to to bind yourselves together and actively pursue the one that God has given to you. It's the clinging, it's the sticking like glue, it's making a commitment that you don't give up on, but it's also a continual involvement. This is active pursuit. It's not just you pursued to get there, it's pursuing continually, it's following close, following hard. So here's our vow for today. Number one was, I will, I will, God will be my one, you will be my two. Here's our second vow. I promise to always pursue my two. God's my one, my spouse, you are my two. I will now vow that I will pursue you. I will continue to pursue you as what God, as what God has called us to do. Now, here's what I know from personal experience and from talking to couples over, a lot of couples over the years, it's easy for the pursuing to stop after the marriage. Here's what we know. Pursuit is natural. When you want something, you don't have it, you go after it. So sometimes, whether we say it or not, we, when it comes to marriage, we have pursued them hard. We have dated and, and we have done, pulled out all the stops to pursue them, and then once the marriage, once the ceremony is done and the, the certificate's signed and the cake's all gone, and once we're now into the marriage, we think, well, I have it, so I stop pursuing. I stop that, that activity because I got it, right? We don't, mean, we don't necessarily mean to say it that way, but in essence, the pursuit's over because the, the, the job is done. And according to this word, I believe what we're looking at is God says that uniting, this pursuing, is an ongoing, it's, a, it, it's an idea of continuing to pursue them. For those of you hoping to be married, or those of you not married yet, and that may be in your future, please understand this vow of pursuit and how important it should be for your marriage. And let me encourage you something. If right now, that guy or that girl is not actively pursuing you, and you're on this side of marriage, and they're not pulling out all the stops to go after you, then dump them fast. Because you're worth more than that. You deserve to be pursued. So if they're, not, if, if they're not opening the door for you and they're not doing the things that, that just, you know, <laughs> we're going to get there, husbands, okay, in a minute. But if they're not doing those things, then, then that's not, that someone needs, if you're not being pursued now, something, something's wrong. But let me just talk to us as married couples. We have to figure out how to keep this vow of pursuit as an ongoing principle in our marriage or maybe to start pursuing again. My hope today is I want to make this as practical as possible. I want to make this as real to all of us who are married, those of you hoping to get married. I hope that you're going to see this in a very real and practical. We're going to talk about the practice of pursuit. What this looks like in, in our day, what it looks like in 21st century America, if you would, of what it looks like, what, what I want to make sure you understand is this word, the idea of being united, being a, pursuing your spouse, it's going to say one, one phrase, and that is this, marriage does take work. Being united, this ongoing pursuit, that's, that's the issue we have to remember, is marriage does take effort. Now, most couples would agree with that. I've never had anyone shake their head and say, oh, no, it doesn't. But back of our minds, I don't know that we really grasp that or understand that it does take work. That, that the idea of being united, the cleaving, this is an action word. In fact, I, if, if you were to be honest, I think some of us would almost resent the fact that we're saying you have to work on this marriage. And this is what I mean. You say, well, listen, they're, they're supposed to love me no matter what. We're, we're committed to each other. So if we really love each other, then it shouldn't be work. And, and deep down, we want to say, "Listen, we we got it." So, why should if I'm having to work on this, then God is trying to show us something here. This idea of marriage, since especially since the fall, this is going to be something that, if you're going to stay pursuing, that's going to be something that's going to be an active part of of your life. Something that you're going to have to continue to do over. And over again. I mean, you, you, we, we've got that, that idea. We've pursued, and now we're losing it. You know, oh, you've lost that love and feeling, right? Now it's gone, gone, gone. Well, here's what I want to say. I think it can come back, and I think it can stay, but it's not going to without being united, pursuing the one that you say that you love. Here's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you're pursuing them to keep them. That's, that's, That's a different side. I'm saying you pursue them now because you love them, and you want to maintain that love, and you want to maintain what you had. The idea of uniting, pursuing, is an act of obedience. It's an act of doing what you need to do, what, it, what is called upon you to show them, to continue to show them that this love is real. So I, I want to call your attention as we get in this practical side. I want to call your attention to a verse. It's not in context related to marriage, but it's an overall great verse, and it specifically speaks to what we're talking about today. James chapter 4, verse number 17. Listen to what James said. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Now, again, that's not speaking specifically for marriage, but let's apply it. Let's put it into the marriage, the marriage wheelhouse for a moment. If we apply that to marriage, especially this idea of pursuing, and we know God has called us to do it, so if we, lack, if we lack then this pursuit, then we know we're supposed to and we're not doing it, then what is it? It's a sin. It's a marriage sin for us not to continue to do what God has called us to do. To be united is not—it's a, a—it's an ongoing process. It's this idea of continuing to pursue, and and God has made that clear to us that pur- purposefully we have to do what God has called. It. And by not doing it, then we're we're making a huge mistake in, in this in this area. So why do we struggle with this? Why is it that that we we knew this, we went into it, we we loved them, we pursued in one form or why do we struggle? Well, I, I would almost. Probably nine out of ten answers would start with, I'm too busy. If you just understood, I'm the busyness of life, and, and granted, that is the one thing that attacks all of our lives, including our marriages. I don't have time to pursue. I, I just got to get up and get, get on with life. I don't have time. The, the work, the kids, the careers, all those things, that, that happens to come right in front of everything that we do. And I don't, even if I do, I don't have, I don't have energy left, right? I, don't, I, they, I, 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 I married them. I pursued them. Now, they need to be okay with that because I just don't have energy left to pursue them. Whether we say it or not, that tends to be the, our, some of our emotions. But let's, let's just break that in a little farther. There is a lot of reasons and, and let me share some of the times, whether it's busyness or not. Sometimes it's just negligence. We just get lazy. Maybe we get apathetic. Here's the one that I hated, and I heard this. This has been just kind of rattling in my brain. Y- you'll hear it, married couples. We just take each other for granted. We just know they're going to be there in the morning, and so we take that for granted. Boys, I, I, this was a convicting message. I'd kind of like to not preach this. Would that be okay? Could we do something? Because this one really bothered me a little bit. Because I had to say, Shell, I, 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 I've been wrong. I take Professor you for way too much. Because I know you're going to be there, and I'm trusting that. So I just don't put the energy into pursuing you as you deserve. And that's what we're talking about. This is an active step of obedience to just to go after them, to to continue to, to pursue them. All right. So, married couples, you want to do? It. I'm going to give you three pursuing techniques. Some things that we need to do, and, and I, wanna, I want you to understand, these are, whether you're married or not, these are for all relationships, so this can help us in all kinds of ways, but specifically when it comes to marriage, I want to focus on three areas, three very simple things that I think can help, and it's, these, these aren't deep or difficult, but like I said, there's no easy answers. I, I don't know where your marriage is right now, that's... That may be a, there's some deep issues, and so these, you say, well, these are too simple. They, they may be simple, and I know that there are difficult answers, but I promise you this, these are indispensable. These are things that need to be a part of our marriage, and these would be an act of pursuing, and we'll talk about maybe that, how to get this started again. But let me give you three very simple things. Here you go. Husbands, wives, listen to this. When you think something good, say it. Is that hard? Everybody know what I'm saying, right? When, you th- when something good about your spouse comes to your mind, say it. Just use your words and positively express something good about your spouse when it comes to your mind. Here's what I know. The Bible is clear that our mouth, our words, have dramatic impact, positive or negative, on everything that we do, and all of our relationships, specifically when it comes to the critical nature of husbands and wives. Let, let me take you back to Proverbs. Listen to this, Proverbs eighteen twenty one. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue, our words, they're incredibly potential packed. They can be either good, they can be life, or they can be bad, they can be death. And there is no better... Uh, test tube for that than the marriage and what we can do in marriage that can either build it up or tear it down with just the words that come out of our mouth that is how important this is that we understand this. Now, here's what you know. If you know the book of Proverbs, it is just that. It is a book of Proverbs. And many of the Proverbs are not, when you see context, like in most scriptures, some of the Proverbs stand on their own. They're just, they're just words. They're phrases. They're helpful things. But I couldn't help, but as I read that verse of how important words are, if you go to the very next verse, I want you to see the next verse and what it says. Verse 22, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Now, maybe they're not connected, but I couldn't help but understand that, husbands, you have been given a gift. Here's the point, guys. Let's just be honest. There's not a one of us in here who didn't outpunt our coverage when we got married. We married up, dudes. Why that woman decided to marry us, guys, it's just a, it's a miracle. It's a, one of the miracles of God. It's one of those things. Why in the world would she uh, choose to be with me? Let's just be honest. And God made that clear. He gave you a gift, gentlemen. He came, this is this this woman that you you have committed your life to that you pursued and you went after and you think I was a stud and I got her huh You got a gift from God and you wouldn't have that gift without God. That's I want you to just, guys just get this in our minds. Understand how important it is. She's a gift. She's a favor. So when I thought of that, and I thought of some of the ways that my tongue has hurt my wife in thirty two years shuddered and I said God I am sorry because that's a gift and there have been times that this mouth has ripped that gift apart I don't know if that hits anybody else but boy that hits hard this mouth can be something good man it can be so quickly something evil look what Proverbs says in chapter 25 verse 11 the right word at the right time is like precious gold set in silver yes use your words yeah, be be good with your words, but use them carefully because you use the right word at the right time, and it has this amazing impact. And I want to share one other verse about about words that I, I would recommend every married couple or every couple thinking about getting married, this, be, this should be a verse you memorize and you make it a part of every day at your home. Ephesians chapter number four, verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may they benefit those who listen. Married couples, if we would just apply this verse, I guarantee you it would solve a majority of our issues. If we would just, before we say it, look what he says no unwholesome talk, only that which is helpful, only something that builds, 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 builds them, them up. According to their need, only what is beneficial. If we would just use those things, and if, if anything else is starting to slip out, that we would bite our tongue before we would say it only what's good. No unwholesome talk. Your tongue has that much power. And many couples that come in my office and many couples I've talked to, that's where it starts and that's what continues to perpetuate it. Is they say this and they say this and they downgrade and they and they eat and they attack and they come after and their words are just spewing. And I sit back and I'm hurt and they're not even talking to me. Spouses, we just forget that this thing right here makes a lot can make a difference either way in our marriage. No unwholesome talk, only that which builds up. But we're talking about being proactive here. We're talking about if you think of something good, say it. So let me encourage you with that. When you think of something good individually, you just when something good, you, you see something, then, then say it. They need to hear it. They, they, these words can tear down, but they can also build up. So let's look at that side. Gentlemen, here, let me talk to you first. Husbands, you need to pursue your wife with words of affection. She needs to hear from you that she is loved and that she is cared for and that you, you and, and let me throw one in here, okay? Gentlemen, this needs to be non-sexual affection. Some of you are going, huh, what's that? Okay, it means affection that's non-sexual. Do you get that, guys? Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, it, it's, it's, about, it's about just because of who she is and what she has done. It, it's the idea of, okay, guys, you know this. We, we can make anything sexual when we talk about it, Right? You know, he said, uh, hey, honey, would you go light the fire? I'll, I'll light your fire, baby, right? <laughs> you need to get the, ro- the ca- tires rotate on the car. I'll rotate your tires, baby, right? <laughs> you know you've heard it. <laughs> hey, I can't wait to hear you preach a sermon. To- I'll preach you a sermon, baby. Okay, <laughs> sorry, that one just kind of, not everybody has that one, but you understand what I'm getting at, okay? <laughs> here's, the, <laughs> here's the point. Guys, it's, not, it, it's simply about sharing love, sharing affection with no strings attached, with nothing else that you're looking for. Remember, these ladies are a gift to you, but they need to know that. And one of the ways God has given us to make sure they know that is with our mouths, with our tongues, with, with our words, to let them hear the words of affections. I, I've heard guys say, well, they know I love them. Maybe they do. Why would it hurt to confirm it? Why, take the, why not take the guesswork out? Make sure that they know it. But do you understand that they also need to hear it? They may know it deep down, they, but they need to hear those words of affection, and those words of security, and those words of love that come from you. It's a simple, simple thing, but let me just share something. Gentlemen, maybe this would help you. When you talk to your wife, often throughout the day, tell her you love her, but change it just a little bit. Add the word because, and then change the ending every time. Honey, I love you because you're my best friend. I love you because you're, such, you're the greatest mom I've ever seen in all the world. I love you because you've stuck with me through all these years. I love you because you didn't give, and you fill in the blank. Give her a reason. Share, share words of affection. It's not the only way of, to show, but it's the, one of the biggest ways. This mouth can have that kind of, of idea is if you share in a non-strings-attached way. Wives, you need to pursue your husbands with words of affirmation. With words of of affirming him. Here's a phrase that I heard, and I just want you to think about it, wives. Your husband is becoming who you see him as. And you have the power in your tongue to actually help direct where your husband is going in his his life. Your, Your words have that kind of experience. Personally, I I know God knew me. He knew that I needed to marry a cheerleader. And I did, literally, all right? Her passion in high school was a cheerleader. She was a cheerleader for the team I played basketball for in college. She was literally a cheerleader. And so now when she puts on that little cheerleading no, wait, sorry. (laughs) Just kidding. Well, as far as you know. But anyway, just (laughs) kidding. And I have a feeling she's not in this room, so I'm getting away with a lot this morning. But anyway. Cheerleading, right? She's not, or, you know, she has these cheers. Two bits, four, she doesn't do that. I'm just kidding. But here's the point. She is a woman that affirms her husband. Now, God gave her this. I mean, this is a perfect example of being a cheerleader. But ladies, that's what your husband needs. That's part of why God puts you together is for him to hear someone who is behind him, someone who is encouraging him. And ladies, can I, can I just encourage you with this? Try not to tell him what he's not that just defeats a man's uh, just drive to do it. He would, uh, uh, he's, not, he's not a good provider, or he's not, he's not that helpful around the house, or he's just not this, and he's not that. And one I hear a lot, and he's not the spiritual leader. Do you know if, you, if your husband hears you say that, that immediately, rather than him wanting to say, well, then I want to be, he's going to say, well, then I'm not going there. If she doesn't even think that I can do this, then I'm not going. And you want, you want a spiritual leader? Don't tell him how bad he's doing in all these areas. You can call it whatever you want, but gentlemen need from their wives to hear this fact of, of she believes in me. And that he, and, and so when, when it comes to it, ladies, just encourage you, if he does anything that's moving that direction, he says one day, let's go to church. Just tell, oh, I love it when you say those words to me. He says, you know, I, I think I'll pray for the meal. Oh, that was the best prayer I've heard in all my life. I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm telling you, ladies, your husband hears words, and those words of affirmation just build him to take that next step. You want to see him continue to blossom, to become what God has made, then then that's that's what your words have the power to do. Here's what I want you to know. Husbands, your wife needs to know every day the answer to this question. Do you really love me? And wives, your husband needs to know the answer to this question every day. Do you believe in me? And your words can make that kind of difference. When you think something good, say it. Number two, when you think something special, do it. I'm, I'm being as simple as I can. When something comes across, when you think something special, do it. Now remember, that was a natural part of our dating, our courtship, right? We, just, we would think of things, and it didn't have to be big. It was just things that were, were, were spe- something that would help them, something to make them feel special, my first date with, with Shelly, I went out and I bought a whole new, I, I, we're college kids, they have no money, I bought a new sweater because I was going to impress her. Took her. I saved up money, I took her to this, this nice restaurant, right? I, I, we're, we're taking out all the stops just to, to be special. I, I gave her M&Ms for crying out loud. you know what I'm saying? You just do those things which are special. You're opening the car doors, you're, you're doing the things that are spe- I actually told my daughter once, and for some of you this may sound funny, but I told my daughters, I said, listen, if you're dating a guy and he won't open your car door, then that's probably to be the last time you go out. with. That's just my personal opinion. And today, I don't do it all as often as I should, but I still think it's important for me to open that door. I know she's got two arms. She can do it. I know she's got the ability, but what? It, she's my gift. But listen, we do that pretty naturally when we're dating, when we're going. But what happens along the way? We, we spare no expense until we, we get married. So, gentlemen, this, think about this. You come home a little early some night, and you just say, hey, let's, let's – I, I bought some takeout. We're just going to go and just have a picnic. Just do something special. Maybe it is like you talked before. The wife, you buy a tickets to a big game and you surprise him. Here's something that my, my wife has done over the years. My wife actually started watching football with me early in our marriage. She didn't like football. She had no idea what was going on. And to tell you the truth, the first few games were a little, why are they doing that? What are they doing? What are you doing? And, and I would say, just watch the game. Well, you know what happened over a few years? She actually likes football now. She'll actually almost yell louder than me because there's so, she just said, I want to be where he is. She made it a priority to be in, to, to, to be in part of my life as well. Maybe it's something as simple as that. Maybe it's sending flowers. And if you can't afford them, go pick them. I mean, do something. To, do, to show, to, to do, you think something special, do it. Husbands, maybe it means you come home from a hard day at work and you give the kids a bath that day. Oh my goodness, now we're meddling, right? You wash the dishes. You do some things that just, you just say because of your, because, and not, again, no strings attached. This is just because I love you and I want you to know that. You, 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 maybe, ladies, you watch a shoot 'em up movie. Or maybe, guys, you watch a Hallmark Christmas movie. I'm just saying, sacrifice whatever it takes to show them I love them. If there's something special, do it. And let me get the last one. When you want something different, be it. A lot of times when I hear, and and I've said it myself, my spouse stopped pursuing me. The problem is they're not doing anything anymore. And you're exactly right. And so now our issue is let's fix them. Let's get them to start doing what they need to do as well. But what we forgot is in the process, maybe it was natural, maybe, but we stopped as well. If you want something different, you need to first be it. And this isn't just pastor mumbo-jumbo about if if you change. I I understand this isn't a foolproof plan, but here's the point. You want to see something different in your marriage? If you change, things will be different in your marriage. Does that make sense? If If you make a difference, things will be different. So rather than griping about what your spouse isn't doing, you just start becoming what God wants you to be as a spouse as a husband or a wife. You just make the difference by being what God has called you to do. And may may I encourage you also to applaud and to enjoy and to acknowledge even the small things. You say, yeah, well, they're just doing that because if they make a step, acknowledge that, enjoy that. Be, be happy for that. Yeah, you know, but there's so much more that they, but there's so much, take the little steps, appreciate. Take the steps and give God the glory. Give them thanks for what they've done. The, the point is this, if you, want to, if you want to see something different, you're going to have to be different. That can make, that can make the difference if we're willing to change. I, I found this verse, and, and I know you've heard it before, 1 Peter chapter 3. Listen to the power that Peter puts into this about the wives. And these are about wives that are dealing with husbands who are not even believers. They don't even believe the word, Peter says, but notice what they said. They may be won, about their husbands, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and the reverence of their lives. When they see the difference in their wife and how she's truly living, that will actually grab their attention. Now again, is this a foolproof at all? No, but home is different now. Because the one spouse is doing and living the right way, and that makes it makes all of the difference. I, I know last week we shared, and I want to do that again. I want you to hear a wife's perspective. I've obviously been talking about our marriage. Let me let you hear it from Shelley's perspective. Just for a moment. watch the video, please.
1: How do I pursue my husband? It's kind of a funny question, like. Because when I hear it, I think pursue like chasing him down, which is really funny because I don't run, um, but if I did, I do run faster than Pastor, but he can last longer. So good thing that's not what that means. Uh, but when I think of pursuing, I think of like when we were dating, um, I tried to do the things that he enjoyed and get involved and listen. and be up on the things that he knew about and um, so then we get married. So we've been married like 10 or 11 years and we went to a Valentine's banquet. We got invited to be part of the newlywed game. So you answer all these questions. So it came down to the very last question and we were winning and I might be a little competitive it said, um, what is your husband's favorite cereal? And I'm like, we've got this, we've got this, because he doesn't eat cereal. We'd been a married, uh, we had been married 11 years. He'd never eaten cereal for breakfast. So I was like, he doesn't like cereal. That's my answer, we've won this. So Steve comes out and they're like, what's your favorite cereal? And, without even blinking, he goes, Captain Crunch. And I was like, what? That is not your favorite. I was like, you've never ate Captain Crunch. And he looked at me and he said, you never bought it for me. And I said, we've learned a lesson here tonight. You have not because you ask not. But you know what it made me realize? um i didn't really know 11 years we've been married and had i really kept in touch with what he liked and what he didn't like i just assumed i knew um and that really opened my eyes to realize you know just because we're married He's changing, I'm changing, and we've got to take time to follow hard and find out what do they really like? What's on their mind? What's on their heart? And so now it's kind of cool after 30 some years, um, he pursues me more than I pursue him, Um, and he'll call and say, hey, let's go to the movies, or hey, can I take you out to dinner? Um, He leaves me little notes, I'll leave him notes, and, but it also just helps that I, um, find out who he is to take that time and sit and talk to him to hear his heart um, which doesn't happen as often as I'd like but I do pursue him by listening Um, and you know what I know now I buy Captain Crunch once in a while but he's also a little bit older so we buy a lot of cereal with brand in it too.
0: I hope this morning that you will take the challenge, married couples, to, to continuously or maybe restart the pursuit of your spouse. And just understand, it's not about keeping them or winning them again. It's just simply about loving them the way that you love them and, and the way that you know that. And they need to hear that. They need to see that. Just say when it needs to be said, to do when it needs to be done, and to be what needs to be. But I want to close this morning because I, I know... We've, we've laughed a lot today, and I, I'm glad that we've enjoyed this conversation. But I know even some couples that we're laughing, that, that laughter comes from a deep part of pain. I know marriage can be hurting, and some of you are saying, listen, I'm not sure that, you know, that I love them anymore anymore. I, I'm not sure I even made the right decision. We did get married. I mean, you, you're going through a lot of things through your head. What? And, and there was something at one time, but it's not there anymore. And maybe it'd be easier just to, to, to get rid of that and get on with life. And can I tell you, the, the point is, unless we learn to work through it, we're always going to have, it's going to repeat itself. Marriage is something that pursuit is this ongoing principle. But but I understand that. I want to be sensitive to that. But I want to this morning, this these principles are for any marriage, and maybe it can help us wherever you are take some of these steps. But especially for those that maybe marriage is hurting a little bit and and, or maybe a lot. And today you want to know can I can we ever get this back? Is it ever possible to, to come back to this? And here's what I want you to understand it is not about feelings. And we'll say that throughout this this series. It's not about feeling more in love. Pursuit is an action. It had nothing to do with the the emotions of feeling. It was you pursue, you you unite. This is about things that we can do, some actions that we can take. And I want to do this by going to another passage of Scripture, and we want to end with this. It's found in the last book of the Bible, so we go from beginning to end, Revelation chapter number 2. And again, the context of this is not specifically marriage. But we're talking about a relationship that Jesus describes with a group of believers that he has and how that this relationship has been, has been hurt, and now he is talking about how we can restore this. And so I want to encourage you, the road to restoration, if you want to see some change happen, then married couples, listen up. These are some things that we can apply, but especially if you're at that point. I want you to hear what he said. Revelation 2, Jesus said this to this church, but I have this against you that you have left, or you could say forsaken. You have abandoned your first love. But that's, that's kind of what we're saying. When I don't, I don't think I love them anymore. I don't think, we, we, we either have felt like it's just gone away, or we have purposely said whatever, the love is not there. So that's the example. He goes on to say, therefore, now comes the solution. Listen to what he says. Remember from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds you did at the first. Again, he's, it's about a church, and about enthu- that. once they were enthusiastic in their walk with him, and now something has happened and that, that love, that excitement, that, that passion is not there anymore. Something has changed, and he's giving them a path back. And he's talking about, again, not, not feelings. He's talking about stirring up some action. The word agape, the word love that's used here, the, the understanding that you left your first, that's a commitment that you make, something that you've done. This is a, an action word, and so he gives some action steps. And so here, married couples, three things. If you're struggling, here's, this, this is what Jesus said. Remember, number one, from where you have fallen. Go back and think about, remember what, what that, where you started. Remember how you used to, to treat the actions you went after, the things that you did, the, the way that you were crazy for love, the caring gestures. Think about how you pursued in your marriage. You were good at this at one point. You were. You did this right. Both of you did. So remember that. Go back and remember this has been, this has worked at one time in our life. Secondly, he says repent. Repent, by definition, means to change your mind, to turn. It's an about-face it means understanding that where I am or what I have been doing is wrong. It's understanding that, that you say, well, it's, it's really, if you were to look at our marriage, the, here's what you got to understand. We've already talked about it a little bit. But in every marriage, you have responsibility for at least part of the issue. Even if it's 95 theirs and 5 yours, or 98 and 2, they're still part of your responsibility. So part of it is to recognize where you personally have fallen short of the pursuit, and repent, turn around, change, repent. There's three words I want to give you for repent. It means to acknowledge, to realize that this is wrong, and I've done so, Admit it, confess it, apologize for it, ask for forgiveness, and then adjust. Make a personal change. Take this and say, I'm going to be different. I'm going to try my best. And here's a rule of thumb. You go first. You're waiting for them to make you go first. You take the first step. Remember, Repent. And then I'll use the word repeat because this is what he says. Do the deeds you did at first. Again, he didn't say no, conjure up feelings and hopefully you're going to feel more in love. He said just do what you did at first. Remember what you did, how you pursued her, how you pursued him? Well, repent of where you've changed, where you've got off track, where you've got out of business. Repent and acknowledge that. And then start doing those things again. It may, maybe it's a mature form. Maybe there's a difference. But start doing the things that would just bring the, the, the show that the love was there and start showing that again. I, I don't feel the same. That's not the issue. Now do and see how that restores things in your marriage. Two phrases that I, I grabbed this week I want you to, to just to think about. To get what you've never had, you must do what you've never done. So you pursue, you go after, but get the second one. To get what you once had, you have to do what you once did understand that couples as you're getting ready for marriage as you are in the middle of marriage my my prayer is will you be willing to renew your vow today i will always pursue my two are you willing to do that today married couples i I hope that you understand first god is number one my spouse number two Are you willing to say, and I will, and if that means makes changes, if that means some adjustments, I will always pursue my two. Let's bow our heads this morning. I'd like to pray for us and for you. I'm praying that God's going to arrange or help you rearrange maybe some priorities. Maybe you're still working on putting God first and, and your spouse second. But I'm also going to pray that God helps you to, to remember what it is, to pursue that one that you, you've committed your life to and to renew that pursuit again. Maybe it's just been taking that for granted. Maybe it's just been apathetic. Maybe the hurts, all of the things, wherever that starts. And I know there's more than just simple answers, but I'm going to start asking God to pursue that one again. Father, Thank you for the gift of marriage. Lord, I want to just say thank you for the gift of my wife. And Lord, thank you that um, truly she has stayed beside me these 32 years, and I thank you for that. And, And you and I both know that I probably wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't for her. Thank you. Lord, thank you for all the marriages represented in this room some of them are just just tremendous beacons of hope and examples for us that, that marriage can work long term. I also know there are some hurting marriages or some struggling spouses. Father, please let them see hope today. No condemnation, no, just hope that there is, a, there is a reason that they're married and there's a purpose and you can do something amazing through their marriage. God, please give them that hope and that encouragement. But Father, We've got some decisions to make. So, Lord, help us as as spouses to say, God, you'll be one. My spouse is my second priority, and I will pursue my spouse. I will do what it takes just to make sure they know that they're loved and they're admired and they're believed in. So, God, I pray that that will be a vow. We'll, We'll actually verbalize sometime this week with our spouse, but most of all, that we'll live it. God, I also know that when we talk about pursuit, the greatest truth we have in Scripture is that you came and you pursued us. So, Lord, there may be some in this room today who you have been pursuing, and you've been telling them about your love, and you've been offering them your forgiveness, and they've been struggling with this idea of faith. And, God, I pray that today they'll realize that that's the God of the universe coming after them because you love them, And that their sins need to be forgiven. And that there is hope because Jesus died and rose again for them. Please, Lord, let them feel the pursuit of your Holy Spirit and say, God, I want to follow you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and and save me. And, Lord, that today, just this past week, I've heard of two teenagers that have received this gift of salvation. God, you pursued them and they answered. Praise you, God. But there may be others in this room that need to just respond to your pursuit. Father, please, let that be their heart today. Give us hope, encouragement, healing. And Father, may we truly know what it means to pursue you and to pursue the spouse that you've given us. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Just a moment, Stefan's going to begin to sing. And as she does, we just take a time of prayer. And maybe that's praying right where you're seated. Maybe you pray with your spouse. You take them by the hand. and pray with them, maybe you just repeat it to them, you know, maybe I've been doing so well, but I promise you I'm going to try, even this week, to just pursue you, to go after you.